0: All right, sports talk for fans by fans brian here alex with me uh episode 55 for those keeping track thanks for joining us uh please once again remember to listen share subscribe we have a facebook page instagram twitter all those things but on the facebook page there's a lot more interaction post polls daily questions you know kind of who's going to super bowl post other things out there So, you know, check that out um, and invite other people to join. Just keep growing that audience. We appreciate it. So really quickly, continuing our tradition from last week, we're going to do our one-minute recap of everything at sports. So, Alex, I'm going to kind of ramble here for a minute. And then after that, just feel free if there's anything you want to chime in on or anything that you thought was interesting outside of talking football, obviously, here in a second. So here we go with the shot clock. We're now two weeks into the Australian Open. Okay. I don't think anyone cares. Uh Olympics are coming up. With that being said, the only thing I've seen out there was NHL uh, countries are filling up their roster with former NHL players because NHL players are not allowed in there. So kind of interesting We're gonna have a mix of like 20-year-olds and 40-year-olds. Uh The two teams LeBron used to play on have a better record than LeBron's Lakers right now. The two best teams in hockey are the farthest teams from Canada. They're both from Florida. Uh... Grayson Allen, we don't need him in the NBA. Uh, UFC 270 owes me $75. However, Francis Ngannou, who won his title fight, fought with a torn ACL before the fight even happened. Props to him. Antonio Brown intends to sue the Bucks. Sean Payne has left New Orleans. Start the countdown, Alex, for the McCarthy uh, to be fired clock. Mm -hmm. Ortiz is elected to the Hall of Fame. But Bonds and Clemens are nuts. And James Harden wants out of Brooklyn. So anything interesting in that last minute there, Alex?
1: On what you said, I mean, there's a lot of little things that kind of what happened during this week. I think the hard thing is something that's going to be, we're going to probably be looking at probably next year, maybe cutting down the end of year. That's more of an off-season thing. Um, me personally, the one that kind of hits home to heart is the Ortiz getting into the Hall of Fame and uh, the cheaters in my mind, uh, the Barry Bonds and Robert Clemens not getting to Hall of Fame. You know, when I was young, I probably thought, you know, you know, the cheaters, you know, they don't need to get in. I've kind of softened over years. But I think when I think about it, actually what Pete Rose in the Hall of Fame before, I let those guys in. And I don't know. What do you think?
0: Exactly. No, 100 uh, percent. Pete Rose, I don't care. I don't care about gambling. If if he was gambling on his own team and through the games, I would. Not be okay with that, but he was gambling on his teams to win. Different story. He's supposed to win. That doesn't make any sense. So, to me, it's a really petty, stupid rule. I think Peter Rose definitely should be in 100%. Um, and I've seen a lot of arguments go back two different ways on Ortiz and Bonds. I don't know if you saw that, but Ortiz, the whole, you know, he was supposed to be in a uh like a silent test. They weren't supposed to release the results and he got his got released. So, you know, not really sure if that was supposed to be real or not or if it is real or not. And then Bonds, you know, there's, Still technically hasn't really been found technically guilty of anything, but there's a lot of hard evidence. So there's a lot of weird ways you can look at it. So Alex, but Sean Payne, what do you think about that? Cause you know, the dude loves football. There's no way he's done. Yes. He left Taysom Hill behind and dry and gave him that crazy ass contract. But you know, do you see some kind of percentage on him coming to Dallas? I eventually.
1: Think I think it's better than not. That he's going to be a Cowboy head coach. Um, one of the things is is kind of he's kind of a a son of Bill Parcells. He's one of Bill Parcells' guys. You were thinking about it. I'm not surprised. He quote said he's burned out because Parcells was the same way. When you coach so much, you do so much uh, to your for your team, and after a while, you just get burned out of it. You know whether or not be just the monotony of it all or ownership or front offices doing the same old thing over again. You just get burned out. And Parcells was like anonymous for doing that. So I could see Sean Payton kind of step away from here coming back. Um, the question is going to be, you know, he's going to have his his, uh, his feel of any team. You know, one of the questions is going to be is if he comes to Dallas, he knows he's not going to get the complete final say because you got Jerry there. Or he could sit there wait for a better job, you know, not saying – he could take it, but like a Jacksonville Jaguars where, hey, you go there and, the, you know, they're going to basically give you all the power in the world to do whatever you want. So that's going to be what's going to be interesting next year. I think this year he sits out. Uh, he A lot of people don't know. He recently got remarried and I think, this past June. So he's now really getting to know, you know having fun being a newlywed again. So I think he's going to step away from it, and maybe do a little TV here and there. Then I, it, well, he'll revisit it. But he loves himself some Jerry, so I don't know how it goes.
0: Uh, so he's got three years left with the Saints. So, of course, if uh, he comes back before those three years are done, there needs to be some kind of compensation or potential compensation. Alex, the other thing that, w- that is worth asking, Sean Payne's been a control guy in terms of player personnel. Jerry Jones is a control guy with player personnel would this actually happen with both of them in the kind of that same field? I can
1: see it happen. I think one of the biggest things most people don't understand is you actually being a head coach in Dallas, you actually have more say than most coaches have in and around the, the league. Um, I think in, really in the Saints, he kind of had that, he with him and Mickey Loomis like work neck and neck right together. So they kind of both had that kind of feel of working together, but you know, they deferred to Sean Payton. I think Sean Payton understands how to work with Jerry. He's been there before. He's been in those meetings with Jerry. Uh, he's also known Parcells is probably a guy who's really talked to him about it. So I think he can he can deal with it. I don't think that's going to be that big of a situation. I think he's got a muff ego in him to say, you know what, all these other people couldn't get it done. You know, McCarthy's, the, uh, the Jason Garris, those guys, Wade Phillips they couldn't get it done, but I came in here and got it done. So... I think that's a challenge that most most coaches that have an ego would wouldn't have a problem with it.
0: All right, let's move on to our uh, divisional round recap. Alex probably, arguably, the greatest weekend of football we've ever seen. Um, we saw all four games come down to last second plays, with some insane plays leading up to each one of those in every game. We saw legends Tom Brady, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers get knocked out. We saw both the number one seeds get knocked out, Alex. Does the top seed not mean much anymore? Is it? Do you think it's a hindrance of having to wait a week to come back from bye and there's some rust? Do you, you think there's maybe a disadvantage nowadays? Or do you think there's just bad luck by those two teams of who they drew and the situation they were in? I think
1: when you look at it, I think both teams have different circumstances. I wouldn't necessarily say that um, having the buy kind of messes anything up as far as first round buy is concerned i think that week of the of the year really messes up it depends on how you want to play like some teams kind of play it like it's a normal game kind of staying in the playoff format and then some teams kind of half but it you know i know the Green Bay didn't play half the uh, their you know starters for half the game um but it almost takes you like out of playoff form um and i think sometimes we had that weak with that added, I can see it kind of give you some rust. Um, the thing about the Titans, I think the Titans were really banking on getting more out of uh, Derrick Henry. Um, you didn't, you got by not having your best player for majority of the year, and he kind of came back. He just didn't look himself. So, um, I I think the the normal part is, especially with the added week now, you want that extra buy. It's just. It's analytics. That's one less game you have to play. There's one less chance you have to attempt to get to the Super Bowl. So I think that's still still up there, something you want to, you, you want to have.
0: All right, let's get into uh, breaking some of these games down. So the uh, that we got to watch was the Cincinnati 19-Tennessee 16 game. Uh, the spread was three and a half. And, the you know, who? Uh, well, Alex, you picked Tennessee. Uh, I picked Cincinnati, so I got that one right. me, at at that time, seven and zero. gonna throw for picking playoff game. I would have told you, as a Tennessee Titans fan, you guys had a home playoff game. Shieldboro nine times, he held the Bengals' offense at nineteen points. He you you ran for one hundred and forty yards, but you lost. Realizing as that as a fan.
1: Yeah, I, I, I especially being in Tennessee and kind of hearing the Tennessee Titan fans talking about this before and after the game, I knew guys who were planning on going to the AFC Championship game this coming up week. They just had so much built in. Hey, Somehow, some way, we got the number one seed. We're getting maybe one of the best offensive weapons back. Uh, we're going to be going to the AFC Championship game in Tennessee. Book your tickets. And when you kind of look at all those stats and different things like that, you say, that doesn't even sense. everything we wanted to happen happened, well, it happens when your quarterback throws multiple interceptions and puts you in a hole, especially in the red zone. So that kind of hurts it.
0: Yeah, I mean, and remember, guys, they did lose to the Jets and the Texans last year. So it's, they weren't really, you know, by any means. Um, but, or I'm sorry, Tanhill, three for three interceptions. Um, Henry only ran for 3.1 yards. Those things don't really look that great, but the Bengals advanced for the first AFC three years. Uh, they got four clutch, a touchdown, um, with their cookie McPherson kicking a 50 yard uh, winner to win the game. So, and you know, you heard him say that he uh, he called it, he pretty much called it like, Hey, you know, we're gonna make this and go to the, ch- the next round. So, it's pretty, pretty impressive kind of stuff, but Alex. I think the other concerning thing for the Tennessee is, uh, you know, on top of the fans and their grief that uh, are they being capped by Ryan, T- Ryan Tannehill? Um, you-, you know, is he the um all the way to the Because, you know, Miami found his way in Tennessee. This offense is kind of built for him. But this game, I, I hate to say it, but, you know, he's the one the loss. And, you know, Derrick Henry kind of did enough, but this game falls on him. So, to prevent Tennessee or is he the right quarterback to get the job done eventually?
1: I think he's at that tier of quarterbacks and I even put Dak Prescott in it where they can win a championship under the right circumstances. The only thing is you have to have a great team around them. I think this tag team was a good team. I think they overreached this year. I think they played over their heads. Um, this year and that's why one of the things you said is you thought the head coach should be the coach of the year Um, but they don't have a great team Um, they need more pass rushers they need more coverage players we talked about the secondary beginning this year but the secondary played over their heads this year but they need more help Um, they definitely need another wide receiver the Julio Jones thing did not work out Um, if they had anyone that's maybe comparable to A.J. Brown um, you know they may have even you know one of the interceptions hit one of the wide right in the hand and bounce up, and it was a pick. Um, you need kind of weapons, especially in the NFL right now. I mean, you look at the teams they are in the championship game this weekend. They have multiple weapons. They have multiple ways to score. I just don't see that from Tennessee. So I think Tannehill can definitely get them to the championship game, maybe even win it. But he's got to have a great defense. He's got to have a top three, two defense. He's got to have multiple weapons and a great offensive line and a great running game. Um, and, you know, when you look at it, you know the how hard it is to have a game like that. It's very hard to do, uh, but I think he can. It's just that if this team isn't going to be better in all those places I mentioned, it, they are capped when you look at it.
0: Yeah, so we're going to talk preview. So let's go back to the Titans and keep talking about um, kind of what do they need to do to improve this off season. So, um. For one, I think Dante Foreman was a good find. I think he will back up running back. I think he's someone that they need to rotate in a little bit to let Derrick Henry have legs at times. Um, but I'll, Alex, I mean, you mentioned the pass rusher. You know, they gave Bud a pretty good amount of money. So yes, they need Adam. Tight end. Um, multiple. Is there any one thing that stands out that they have? You really kind kind of said some of these things, but if there's one thing they have to improve next year, thing between pass rush and offensive weapons that they have to focus on
1: i've seen a second person to a.j brown and i'm not trying to throw julio jones down you know under the bus but he's he's not what he used to be they need a another guy to kind of take pressure off of a.j brown offensively in the pass game they need to be more explosive but there's times this year it's either a.j brown is making a great amazing play or it's like this two yards in the cloud of dust Offense, They need to get more explosive. They need to be able to 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 stretch the field a little bit more. I think Ted Hill has the arm to do that, but, you know, get them a speed wide receiver opposite A.J. Brown, like someone like, you know, just throw it out there, draft talk. Jameson Williams that from Alabama where you got somebody who's, hey, you want to roll your coverage to A.J. Brown? They're going to burn you on the other side if you don't. I just think they need to be more explosive. They can't just be straight running the football and that's it.
0: Jones, he, he had a full compliment of uh, playing too. And after that, he didn't play full time for the rest of the year. So he's, you know, we, we kind of warned that, you know, it was going to this year. Um, you're 100% right. And I think tight end, man, Johnny Smith, having him not having a tight end, I think it, it looked like to me like it really hurt them. So uh, definitely to improve there. Um, for the Bengals, though, the next game, they got sacked nine times. Can they – with this offensive line?
1: You know what? Um, I will credit – because I'm not the person who looked at this. I looked this through pro football. Majority of, like, the pressure that they gave up in that game was actually more up the middle than it was on the edges. So tackles actually held up a little bit. So they weren't totally terrible. They did have some struggles. But the interior offensive line is is definitely a problem. Um, and they're playing this week. They're playing Chris Jones, who's one of the better defensive tackles. He can go in, or he can go defensive tackles. Um, if they can't block him, that's going to absolutely burn them. Um, I, you know, we're going to pick games a little bit earlier, you know, later on or whatever. But I know knowing Spagnuolo uh, and his ability to send pressure. If he sees that your middle of your offensive line isn't that good, he's definitely going for it. So. Um, it's definitely going to be one of those things of if they lose next week, it's either going to be um, because of that or, you know, maybe their defense lets them down.
0: All right, next, let's talk about my 13 at Green Bay 10. The spread was Green Bay by six. Uh, San Francisco, so we got that one lucky. Um, I've never yelled in a playoff or in a playoff game watching a game punt because it looked like we we're about to lose that game. So um, impressive play to get that block down, turn the tide and then go on to win a field goal. And of course, who puts the dagger in green Bay, Robbie gold of all people uh, converting his 19th straight uh kick for uh converted kick. That was good. So he's never missed the playoffs. Um, the Packers only had two catches as a team outside of Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams. They had, 18 combined. The rest of the whole team lay at two. Aaron Rodgers sacked five times. I think I saw something insane with the Niners' pressure rate. Uh, I think in the last seven games, they've pressured the quarterback at like a 30 to 40% clip, which is insane. So that means essentially, you know, on every third to half time the quarterback draws back, he's being pressured by a defensive lineman. And the Niners are doing just a four man rush, which is what's making this more impressive. So Rodgers was not able to get comfortable. Held him like 60 yards in the whole second half. Um, just insane. So, Alex, Packers are now 40 million over the cap going to next year. I kind of sh- I sent you stuff during the week. They're 40 million over the cap next year already. 135 million invested in their top five contracts. Devontae Adams is a free agent. Rodgers is gonna be part of a rebuild. Did we just see the end of Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay? And if he leaves Green Bay, where do you think he should go?
1: You know what? I, I keep going back and forth on this because you know I hate to you know, I don't like to throw things out of people that I don't know. Aaron Rodgers seems like such a drama queen. Um, it seems like he's like star for attention. That's what it just seems like to me. Would I be surprised if in a couple of weeks they redo his deal, and he stays or whatever? I wouldn't be surprised. At it. Um, but it almost seems like it's like he he craves attention, man. I I don't I've never seen any football player like that. Um, I think at the end of the day, Green Bay won't want him to come back. I think Green Bay's also in there too as well. I think they're they're waiting for him to kind of make the move of it's over, and I think Green Bay is gonna you know they're both both mutually gonna move on because we're going into the third year for love. They're at the point where they gotta figure out what what he is. Um, they obviously believe in him. I don't. Um, I saw the game this year, like you rested. Everyone saw with the Chiefs. I was not impressed. Um, I would personally try to recite uh, Aaron Rodgers and try to figure out that. Um, but I think he's gone. Um, I think it's going to be about where he goes. It's going to be about the assets. Uh, we've heard Denver. Denver one of those kind of places where the the old retired quarterbacks go to try to win themselves a Super Bowl. Seems like that's the place to go. Um, I think Denver's probably in the event. They, they need a quarterback. The question is going to be what the compensation is. But I think Denver's like the lead, is in the lead right now.
0: Yeah, they got Denver. Um, I think it was uh, Pittsburgh was the other team that was up there. I think those are the kind of like the one and two if he doesn't come back to Green Bay. But these contracts, like even if you restructure these contracts, there's so much money owed right now that. It just, it's tough to see. I mean, we've seen teams do that, but they're forty million over with only forty people signed. So they still have to free up more money just to sign their um, their rookies that they're going to draft. Uh, they have a couple of people that are going to have increase in salary at some point in their future. Like it's just, it's tough. Like they, the Packers can find a way to make it work, but they do. They're not. They're bringing. They're going to be cutting certain people. Like Aaron Rodgers says, he doesn't want to come back in that circumstance. So it's it feels like it's really setting itself up to where he's going to leave and go somewhere else. Um, If he does leave, um, you, we would be looking in terms of if Green Bay wants to save money, either whatever move would happen would be after June 1st, because uh, the dead money against them would be 19 million. The cap savings would be 27 million by cutting or trading Aaron Rodgers after June 1st. If it's done before June 1st, it's the other way around where it's 27 million of dead money. So, it's a $10 million swing, so I, I feel like you know, if it's going to happen, Aaron Rodgers is going to be willing to agree to something. It's going to happen after June 1st, maybe, may, or maybe Green Bay just lets him get what he wants and lets him leave right away. I, I don't know.
1: Well, just um, to cut right. in, another thing that we haven't really talked about, Devontae Adams, which is the probably the best wide receiver in the market, he's going to be a free agent. So he's out there kind of in the He's free-free. So he's one of those players out there you kind of figure out is going on with him as well because they don't have the money to receive.
0: yeah uh, I you know I think the top you know because if if they franchise tag them it's the top five contracts which um Hopkins makes 27 million a year julio 22 uh julio 22 million a year Keenan Allen 20 million and mark brew 20 million which is our Conversation being cut. Michael Thomas, another conversation being cut, 19 million. So he'd be making somewhere in the area of like 23, 24 million if they franchise that and they don't have that money anywhere. So it's one of those things where we may see Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers both leave. But even when that happens, they still have tons of money they have to figure out to get other people signed. So um, I, I think if Tennessee North just got really interesting. So moving on to the Niners side. Alex, I think you brought this up to me, but is there a more dangerous non-quarterback weapon in the NFL than Debo Samuel? (laughs) I think we've seen it now seven weeks in a row where Shanahan has really emphasized him, and I think when he runs the ball more than six times a game, the Niners are seven and zero. So it's not going to stop. Rams know it's coming. All these other teams know it's coming, and no one has really been able to stop it. They will slow down, but is he the most dangerous non-quarterback weapon in the NFL right now, Alex?
1: I think he's up there with Tyreek Hill um, and surprised both players play for a head coach that is an offensive genius and one of the best play callers of all time. So I think Kyle Shanahan and his offensive staff do a great job of moving him around. Uh, I think most people don't understand how difficult that is. Um, you know, you plan all week to kind of play against a particular player on all defense. You know where he's going to be. You're playing for, you're playing on how to either block or how to either, Scheme to get at that player to stop him, but if you got a player who can line up literally anywhere, I mean, cups like that, but cups now on the level of, of of Debo, where you can line up anywhere. You can be a fullback, you'd be a running back, you'd be a, a h back, you could be a, the slot wide receiver going in motion, you could be the outside wide receiver, you could be a quarterback. It's just so hard to kind of game plan on that
0: type of player. <coughs> yep. All right, um, we're gonna talk Niners here again in a little bit. Um, we're gonna move on to the Rams, uh, who scored three. Tampa Bay twenty-seven. Spread was Tampa Bay by three. We all across the board picked the Rams. Surprisingly enough, though, so halfway through the game, the Rams were up twenty-seven to three, and somehow the Bucks managed to pull it to within uh, or to being a tie game. I mean, Seven twenty-seven what three seconds or forty-two seconds left. At the fourth and one, uh, at the ten yard line, I think this this is the most interesting part to tie the game up. We've seen Tom Brady go QB sneak for his whole career, so it was a genius that when they needed to uh, convert the fourth and one when they were down by a touchdown, they essentially I don't know if you can fake a quarterback sneak, but they definitely were playing quarterback sneak. They handed off to Fournette, um, you know, untouched on the outside for a touchdown, but Alex, you know, what did you think about that? You know, fourth and one, we always know Tom Brady goes, QB sneak, he always converts. They fully commit to it. And this is the first time I've ever seen them essentially fake doing a QB sneak. What would you think about that play?
1: I couldn't see them do the quarterback sneak because it was a long one. It wasn't a fourth and like anxious. And generally you do that uh, on quarterback sneezes when you think it's going to be like, you know, it's just a couple of inches. You get it. But I kind of looked at the beginning of play and this is a long one yard. Like, if they do that, I don't know if they're going to get it. And the play call of kind of even Tom Brady was acting as if he was about to do it. And then you make the play call. And that's probably one of the things why Byron Leftwich is up for a head coaching job in Jacksonville. That was a great call. Uh, you knew it was the tendency of Tom Brady. He's been hyped up as a, one of the great quarterback sneak artists of all time. This is for the game, for the season. And you run that type of play. Um Either that or or in around would have been magical, but hey, the four for one work. You got to commit. You can't half commit when you talk about a, a short long yard game. Either you got to commit to stopping it, or you got to commit to the the in around the last play. So the in between, uh, great great play call there. All
0: right, so Alex, they do tie the game up, forty two seconds. How do we explain? This breakdown by the Bucks defense to allow Cooper Cup to get a massive gain and then you know set themselves up to win by a touchdown. How how does it happen for the Bucks?
1: You want to know why? And this is how, and those who know us, we play a lot of man and know some people came out. So what they decide to do with the game on the line, Todd Bowles decides to go old school engage eight to go after Matt Stafford. However, some of the players didn't blitz. So instead of it being eight people coming, I think five or six came, and I think two tried to try to cover in the back, and then the safety takes one of the worst angles ever. And Coop just smoked them. I don't know if I would have went against Jake. You know, and of course, you think about it, like if they ran it properly, people you know, the a would say, well, it would have worked if everyone blitzed um i don't know if i'm doing that for the game especially when you talk about all you need to do is not give up a field goal um but hey you know if it works he's a defensive genius if not we're saying what we're saying right now don't do that um let them get you know let them do short games and try to
0: yeah definitely very crazy way that uh that game ended Oh Do we think this is Tom Brady's last game? Um, He's saying a lot of things right now about, you know, family. Uh, He doesn't know, you know, he's going to reassess how everything's going to be. He doesn't want to do it if he can't compete at the highest level. Um, To me, you know, and this is also Aaron Rodgers. To me, him and Rodgers both look like their arm was not as good as it was in other games. Um, Rodgers definitely, to, to me, had a lot of accuracy issues in the cold, which is why I think he should go play somewhere warm. But with Brady the things he's saying, he's going to go reassess everything. they got a lot of free agents. Once again, just like Rodgers, you know, they're not going to be able to bring the same team back probably. Do you think that was Tom Brady's last game?
1: I don't believe so. Uh, I don't really listen to what he's saying for the simple fact that is if you ask a player right after the season and they're coming back, they're probably going to lean not. For the simple fact – that the NFL season is so, such a gruelling task. I mean, these guys are, are working out, as you go even back to the draft, from April, May, uh, to mini camps, to training camps, so much wear and tear our bodies. An 18-week season, you know, the preseason. Then you're talking about playoffs. Um, it's a lot to do on the body. Uh, I know Gronk said in a recent interview, he said if they asked him if he had to make a decision today, Gronk said he wouldn't come back just because it's such a physical grind. So any of the players to say anything about, hey, I'm coming back immediately after that, you know, you kind of kind of take with a grain of salt. Or even they say they're not coming back. I think Tom's going to take some time off. I think he's going to go talk to his wife. Um, I think he's too much of a competitor to let it lead in like that. Um, I think he's going to come back. I think he's going to be – next year's going to be kind of his swan song. He's going to try to come back, see if he can, you know, win one warm- more out, and I think Tampa Bay kind of retools themselves, see if they can go all in. Um, but I just don't see him as a competitor to go out like that.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think yeah, I think he's going to do one more year. I think he's going to let everyone know it's going to be one more year. It's probably going to be a conversation with his wife, it would be my guess, and she's going to kind of maybe support something like that. Um, you know, they have some cap space. I like the Packers. They're $20 million under the cap. The cap's probably going to increase so, you know, they could probably bring back a good amount of people. And if you tell me, if you're Tom Brady and you're telling other people, hey, I'm going to be one more, I'm going to play one more year, Alex, I, it probably be that 99% of the people will play for less money just to play with them, right?
1: Yep, yep. I respect that. Yeah. It already happened the first year was there. He's definitely going to be this next year.
0: Yeah, so it's just, you know, I, I think Tom Brady's not going to take a lot of time just because he knows the effect that he has on everything. Um I, but, yeah, I see him playing one more year. I, I could see that happening. But, all right, let's move on to the last game that we got to watch. And just like we talked about, by far the best games for a weekend ever. We'll never do anything like this ever again, probably. Um, you know, how do you, you know, beat three game-winning field goals? You add a game-timing field goal, and then you add a, you know, game-stealing touchdown to top it off. Um You know, the the crazy thing about this game, and and also recap Buffalo put up 36, Kansas City 42. The spread was one and a half Kansas City. Um, It's my first game I got wrong. So I was, you know, at that point, uh, it's my first one. Alex, you got this one right. You had Kansas City picked. But this was was an online Madden game in the last minute 54. There was 25 points scored in the minute 54. The Chiefs were down three with 13 seconds left in regulation. They had a 19 yard completion, Tyree Kill. Timeout with eight seconds, 25-yard completion to Kelsey on a route that apparently wasn't the route he was supposed to run. Timeout, three seconds. Butker kicked a four-nine yarder to tie the game. Alex, that was 13 seconds. You probably know where I'm gonna go with this. Dak Prescott, QB sneak, all that took 14 seconds just to try to spike the ball compared to Tyree Hill. Kelsey completion, four-yard, 4 field goal to kick it. What could the Bills have done differently to not put themselves in this position? Because this was avoidable, in my opinion, in terms of the type of kickoff, the type of coverage. What could they have done? What could the Bills have done differently?
1: Kick it well. They they scored to the go-ahead touchdown. Um, I think sometimes we overthink things in the coaching sense. Um, a lot of times teams don't want to, like, for instance, print, prevent defense. This is a big thing. Prevent defense prevents you from winning the game. Prevent defense works more than it doesn't. Um, Squib kicking when there's 13 seconds left, it works more than it doesn't. All you need is one guy to accidentally touch the ball. It runs off a couple of seconds. Um, or, you know, or you can you know, you, you, you always kick it in play. Um, that, to me, probably would have been the best bet, um, you know, to me, and and this we're, you're nitpicking obviously with that and everything, and then also, um, you know, Buffalo Bills, you have the number one defense. Uh, you can stop them from scoring in overtime. That's always helpful. You know, playing better defense, that's always helpful too as well.
0: So, something I'm confused about is you know what Tyreek Hill has done. I mean, Super Bowl two years ago, the Niners, yeah, you know, that that one play was insane. And this what he did, like right here. Um, why don't you just, you know, rush three, drop eight, put one purse on the man coverage on Tyra kill and the rest in a zone. Like, why don't we see teams doing this? Like the Packers, it's going to be Devonte Adams. the chiefs, the wide receiver that you have to worry about is Tyreek kill. Like it's obvious you now in the Rams, Cooper cup, why don't teams do that?
1: I think sometimes those defensive coordinators, they overthink some things. Um, I just think that is. I think they just kind of, you know, they tell their players certain things they should watch out for, but I think they just, they have these egos and, you know, they, they don't really, they, they, they're smart. They claim they're smart, but they, they don't really think, they think it, but they're overthinking at times. So they, they don't, they don't really think about it. So Um, I know I said think a lot, but. It's it's about that thing, thing. I mean, to me, you know, just like every other person in the game, you make those type of assumptions. Um, but a lot of times these defensive coordinators, they guess sometimes they got too much stuff on their head, too much stuff in their mind, and just think, hey, the smart play to do is just the smart play, you know, so.
0: All right. I think the last thing we want to talk about it's probably the most obvious talking point based on how the game ended with the Chiefs, uh, getting the ball because the Bills lost a coin toss and the Chiefs drove down, scored a touchdown. Bills not out the chance to get the ball in overtime. A lot of people out there saying, you know, it's not fair. Both teams should get the ball. Um, Alex, I, my opinion, you know, I, I love what Kyle Shanahan said, not because he's a Niners coach, but you want the ball, stop them. Um, we would be seeing that in any other circumstance. Uh, if someone's was running the score up on someone, they would say, well, stop them. You know, if you if you want the ball back, stop them. So I get why people don't want the position at the same time. The bills put themselves in that position. We wouldn't be talking about this if the bills would have thought or played the end of that game better. Um, So what's your take, Alex? What do you think they need to change the overtime rules?
1: I can see them changing and thinking about changing overtime rules for playoffs. I think regular season is what it is. Um, There's a many ways you could do it. I've heard. This week, I've heard so many examples of, of the different things you need to do as far as the overtime. Um, I think me personally as a fan, I wanted the game to keep going. It was just going, it was just getting crazy. It was very crazy right. play. So as a fan, I take it as a fan point of I feel cheated that we didn't get a chance to see um, Allen get back and do something great. And I'm not, you know, if I'm a Chiefs fan, you know, I'm happy. I'm like, hey, the rules are rules. I got no problem with that. But I also like Josh Allen. Josh Allen had the the um the, the same thing that Shannon said. He said, Hey, if we had won the coin toss and so we down scored and one, you know, we'd be celebrating. They'd be the ones complaining about the rules. But you want to know the irony, Brian? The irony of this is the Kansas City Chiefs in two thousand nineteen were the people trying to change the overtime rules. They were the yep. Front words trying to change the override, overtime rules. The team that blocked them, it was the main proponent against them that won, were the Buffalo Bills. So Buffalo <laughs> kind of put themselves in this hole doing that. Um, but I would be, pro- I have no problem with them changing the playoff overtime rules because there's too much stuff riding on it. Regular season, I think it is what it is. I think they should continue the way they're doing the regular season. But I have no problem with the uh, with changing in the postseason.
0: All right, tails never fails except for that time. Tails failed because that's what he called. Uh, you mentioned that there was a lot of things thrown out for how to change his format. I've seen several interesting ones. Have you seen any that you thought were insanely stupid, or did you see any that were? Hey, maybe that that kind of looks like a good idea.
1: Um, I saw one by Nick Wright, and Nick Wright knows me at times, but I've seen heard him for years, so you're he's, he's used to it. One of them was make going to overtime, don't do a coin flip. Make the away team have the ball. And this is the way to think about it. If you have some, if the away team is the team that's getting the ball, there's more of a incentive on one of the other teams to maybe possibly, um, hey, we're not going to get the ball first, so we might need to try to win the game now. Um, I've also, uh, said this, I've also heard this from somebody who said the winner of the gold coin toss Gets to let who gets the ball first, uh, but the person who lost gets to uh, tell that person where they start to drive. So if you win the coin toss and accept, the other team has the ability to maybe make you start on your own one yard line. So it's kind of a little bit of a strategic manager to that. I've heard a couple of kind of interesting ones. What have you heard?
0: I know, I know one of our friends said something about the whole first team to eight points or something like that, which I thought was interesting because. You know, the touchdown doesn't guarantee it. You guys go for two, also. So, you know, hey, maybe there's a chance that it makes it a two score thing. Um, But, you know, you and me talked about this on the side. I think the biggest issue that we have, not that we have, but we see happening is the NFLPA probably doesn't want more time of gameplay because that's just more injury. They already pushed the buck by adding that 17th game. And I I have a hard time seeing them add more time to the playoffs. I think they're just going to hope it goes away again and it really happens. But, that's kind of my take, Alex, you know, on, on the whole circumstance.
1: I think the ownerships have a problem with it, too. I know it sounds stupid, especially when you talk about college football, but I think college football it has a different problem. I think also you have issues with TV as well, um, particularly when you're talking about the NFL game having to run over and you have other um, shows behind it. I know a lot of TV stations are upset about having to go over. I know that's something we could easily fix. I think it's like one of the very small problems you have. But I also think when you talk about um, you talk about investors and people who are buying ads at agencies and different things like that for TV, and then you figure out the show behind football, you're not be able to get maybe all your ads in. Sometimes that's a problem as well, but I think that's something that can be
0: All right, let's move on to the uh, conference champion preview for the final four teams remaining uh, on the AFC side three Eastern time number four Bengals against number two seeded chiefs. So this will be at Kansas city. These teams played in week 17, the Bengals came from behind to win 34 31 in Cincinnati. Mahomes went up to chase after the game. And he said to him, keep going. We'll see you in the playoffs and hot damn. They're going to see each other in playoffs. And this should be a crazy ass game. Uh, the chiefs, you know, we expected them to be there. Alex, you and me kept talking them up. We didn't care how, you know, badly, quote unquote, they looked at some point during the season. They wanted that hot run um, where they won eight straight. So we expected the Chiefs to be there. However, no one expected the Bengals to be there. Alex, I think we had them picked last in the AFC North. No one saw them come in, except for probably except for Bengal fans. Maybe some LSU fans too. Um, but hey, when we talk about the Chiefs being hot, that eight-game winning streak, who broke it? Cincinnati broke that eight-game winning streak, and they stopped Kansas City from being the one seed also. So a lot of these things played out, and it's kind of interesting how now they are matching up against each other. So for Kansas City, Alex, we know they're going to score. No doubt about that. They, that's what they do. Kansas City always scores. However, the last time they played, Burroughs the chase, went off for 11 catches, 266 yards, breaking rookie records, and three touchdowns. Tyron Matthew left that game you know, last week. Not sure if he's going to be available to play. What does Kansas City have to do to slow the passing down on the Bengals?
1: They got to get to Burrow. Uh, They got to get to Burrow and uh, they got to guess right. Um, I can see them doing everything in their mind to take away Chase. But if if you let Hickens go off, it's it's almost the same thing. Um, But I think they're going to have to find ways to kind of slow down Chase, kind of take him away from Burrow, uh, make him go somewhere else. And then find ways to get to Burrow, have him hold the ball. He's been really, you know, even though the offense line is struggling, he's been pretty good at getting the ball out quickly. Uh, if you could maybe have, have him hold the ball a second more, uh, Kansas City's pass rush should be able to get to him.
0: Alex, Kansas City, I mean the pass rushers. Tennessee got to him nine times, and they still lost. I mean, is that going to be enough? Or, or is, is it just going to be the fact that Kansas City's offense will put up enough points with the pass rush to kind of give them the favor in this?
1: That and um, Patrick Mahomes is not going to throw three interceptions, particularly in the red zone or at the worst parts of the game. So um, he's not going to he's not going to give the ball back. He's not going to get more possessions, especially in the, play, in the playoffs. Three more possessions back to a team that's killer because it cuts your chances of have scoring and it gives more time possession to the other team. And as the time goes in the game, the pressure turns up. So, um, Tannehill was Tannehill. This is Mahomes. Maybe, you know, I talked to someone earlier this week. I think Patrick Holmes, one of the greatest quarterbacks already we've ever seen. I think he's kind of been in the last four what we think Aaron Rodgers has been for the last five years. Um, so I think, um, uh, I think they 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 follow through with their recipe. They
0: good. Yeah. So last time they played, Burroughs threw for 415 yards, four touchdowns. He was sacked four times. Um. Somehow they stopped the Chiefs. Though I mean, Mahomes only threw for 259. They ran the ball a lot. Mahomes never got sacked. He never got intercepted. Um, Tyreek Hill targeted ten times, only 40 yards receiving. Kelsey targeted seven times, only 25 yards receiving. So. The, Ch- the Bengals did something right last time. Now, granted, Kansas City ran a lot on them. But, you know, who do you think is going to win this game? Because the spread is seven in favor of Kansas City. It's at Kansas City this time. Do you think Kansas City can cover that large of a spread?
1: I think Kansas City can, is going to win. I don't know about the seven. That's The championship games tend to be sometimes historic the better game than the Super Bowl. Uh, we've had at times in times and you know, definitely in the 90s when the championship game was super de facto Super Bowl, especially in the NFC back in the 90s, you know, growing up as sometimes the AFC, NFC championship games are just so physical, it's so competitive. They're the better games of the year. So I see this game being close. It was close last time. Um, the real difference is talk about clock game management. Kansas City uh, didn't have the ball last. The Bengals did. They dictated how the game was going to go. So I think it's going to be a close game. I got Kansas City, but I don't think they cover seven.
0: Yeah, I, I'm kind of torn on that. So you got the Bengals losing within seven.
1: Hey, I got Um, one for you. I I got one for you. This before you make your decision. What if I told you in the history of championship games, AFC and NFC championship games, there are two teams that are undefeated? What if I told you that the New York Giants are 5-0 undefeated in NFC championship games and your Cincinnati Baggers are 2-0 in AFC championship games historically all time? Would that change your mind?
0: No. I uh, I think the Bengals have shown us a lot. And I think they showed their potential as another rising, you know, force in the AFC. Because, um, but I just don't know if it feels very early. It feels like they're ahead of schedule, and there's nothing wrong with that. The thing that other teams should be worried about with the Bengals is the fact that they really have to fix one thing into one thing only, and that's their offensive line. And Alex, they have 59 million in cap space available, so there's several things that they can do. You know, they can go out and look at, you know, people out there. You know, Armstead from the Saints is number two rated free agent as of right now. Grant, he plays left tackle, same position as uh, Jonah Williams. Like, I think their only good lineman on the Bengals, uh, technically, is uh, their left tackle. Yeah, he's a rated, you know, a little bit above average. But when you got that much money, this is a scary team going forward because they got the running back, they got the wide receivers, they got a capable tight end. Their defense, they put a lot of money into this offseason. season. But I just Alex, going back to your question, I think it's too early. I'm gonna take the Chiefs. I think they're gonna take this as a revenge game and kind of just tell little brother, hey, it's not your time yet. We know you're there. Um, yeah, I, I think it'll be a good learning learning point for the for the Bengals, but you know, would I be surprised if the Bengals pulled off a win? No, I, I wouldn't, but I just feel like the Chiefs are just they've been so good lately. Their defense has stepped up. They've, their defense finds a way to play well. So I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Kansas City in the seven, which I know is is risky as hell, but i don't want to pick Alex. Let's move on to the next game. San Francisco, the sixth seed against the Rams, the four seed, six thirty Eastern time, start time. So we're guaranteeing an NFC West team to represent in the Super Bowl. NFC Then NFC West teams also knocked out Brady and Rodgers. So for some of you, you're welcome. For the others of you, sorry. Um, as these rivals go to head to head, the Niners have won six straight against the Rams, one back to 2018. Uh, the last time they played, the Niners pulled off the last second win to get into the playoffs. And now the Rams have to face the situation they're in. Kind of like the Bengals and Chiefs situation. Um so is there a more perfect fit for who's going to Super Bowl at the MC side? I don't think I don't think so because Shanahan, he was the offensive coordinator who had McVay under him and had LaFleur under him. And now he's, you know, beat LaFleur. Um uh, and now he, he gets to face McVeigh again. You know, and when teams play three times, it's favors the team that's won the first two to actually win the third one also. Now, seven straight against a team like the Rams, that's a lot. That's asking for a lot, and I'm not really sure that's going to happen. But, Alex, what do the Rams have to do to win this game?
1: Um, To win this game, they got played like they played the last game. They played the uh, 49ers um, the first half. <laughs> where they get up on the 49ers and uh, they put the pedal to the metal. Um, If you're able to get up on the 49ers, maybe get them out of their run game, maybe get them to where they have to lean more on Jimmy G. Um, That's what the Rams want to do. The Rams are really good at getting to the quarterback. They got Aaron Donald, one of the best interior pass rushers of all time. They got Von Miller. Von Miller came alive last week. Um, He started to kind of get into his playoff flow now. Um, I know – probably isn't the, the player when they signed him he they thought he would be but he's still a good pass rusher i think you're gonna have to you're gonna have to get up on him so you can stop the run choke the run early and um and try to see if you can um eat the lead away you know and make sure you know, give it away like you did last time
0: yeah the rams are up 17 nothing at halftime last time they're dominating the niners let the niners come back um the, the thing with the Rams that we've seen is they will go up on teams, but they don't have the killer instinct. I don't know why McVeigh gets so conservative once they go up so big. But, you know, once you have the Niners down, you got to keep them down. Um, to me, the way that what the Rams have to do to win, stack the box, make Jimmy G beat you. Uh, he's going to give you two chances at, you know, turnovers. I, I've said this every week. He's going to give you two chances to get turnovers. You have to take advantage of them. He's playing hurt. Now, after watching what he did in a cold this week, it's going to be a lot easier for the Niners to run that a, a comfortable offense. The other thing that's concerning for the Rams, according to projections that we looked up, the Niners technically had a home game in L.A. last time. Um, according to, I think, Vivid Seats, 60% of the fan base in that game were San Francisco fans, and they're trying to call out for a, a red out again. Um it was so concerning for the Rams last time that Matt Stafford went to a silent count in his own home stadium. So, that's going to be something really interesting to watch is, you know, what's what fan base is going to show up. And it, it may turn into kind of like a Super Bowl atmosphere where you have people cheering for both teams. So, it, you know, it's going to be really interesting. Now, for the Niners to win, I, I think it's simple. They have to just keep playing the way they're playing. I talked about their pass rush rate. If they stay at their pass rush rate, they will win the game. Their their pass rush rate is at 40 percent success at generating pressure on the quarterback. It's not anything that's been seen really in NFL history. And then they're doing with four pass rushers. If they can do that with four pass rushers and keep dropping everyone in coverage, they will beat the Rams. Um, they've played well against Cooper Cup typically. So, you know, Von Miller's got to step his game up because Trent Williams is playing hurt. Uh, Debo Samuel's was hurt. George Kittle was hurt. They need to play physical. They need to get for the Niners uh, if the Rams were to win. But for the Niners, man, they just got to play the same way they've been playing, generating pass rush, minimizing turnovers. And, you know, just keep getting deep of the ball. It's uh, Shanahan is an offensive genius. And I think, Alex, I'm just going to say this. Uh, someone that deserves coach of the recognition, uh, it should be Kyle Shanahan. If we saw this whole week, we see how many people shit talk Jimmy Garoppolo, including myself. If you have a quarterback that you have to base an offense within a 10 yard range and you the other team knows that you can only operate within 10 yards and you can still beat that defense, that's something that's saying a lot. Because if your quarterback is so bad you can keep winning these games, that says a lot about the coach, in my opinion. So um, you know, Shanahan is an offensive genius, so I'm really excited to see what happens this game. Alex, the spread is Rams by three and a half which I thought was kind of interesting with how the Niners have won six straight. Technically, their offensive and defensive rating, the Niners are better than the Rams on both offensive and defensive rating. So, Alex, do we see the Rams break that streak? Um, Three and a half in favor of the Rams, what do you got?
1: I will go to Rams. Um, I'm going to go to Rams. Yes, I know. I'm going to go to Rams. I thought this back and forth. Um, I like trends. So during the normal season, when I know trends about certain teams having um, certain you know, victories over other teams, I take it every single time. You can book it. Regular season, uh, Shanahan, McVay going in it. Shanahan's going to beat McVay. This is the, this is for the Super Bowl. This is a championship game. This is going to be something totally, completely different. Um, I think right now the Rams know it's playoff time, and the 49 have been playing for the last five, six weeks. Um, I think um, I think we're, the Rams are going to come out to play. Um, I do think it's going to be 50-50 in the stadium. I think the 49ers are going to have quite a bit on it. Uh, but I think that sooner or later, um, Jimmy G is going to have to play. And I think sooner or later, he's going to be the, the crutch for this football team. And um, I think I'm going to take the
0: Rams. So I'm going to take the Niners, and I'm not saying that to win. I think, I think they – they lose within three. Um, I, honestly, I think they lose a close game or blow out the Rams. I don't think there's really either way about it. My logic behind this is: let's go back to last year for the Rams. We saw McVeigh essentially put everything on Goff. This is all Goff's fault. Stafford, we bring Stafford in. Everything's around Stafford. You know, he's going to change and open up the offense. And, you know, he's going to do all these great things. We're bringing OBJ. We're bringing Von Miller. But still, you lose six straight to a team, and now you're concerned that you don't have home field advantage, and you put a lot of pressure on this quarterback to come in and be the savior of the team. The thing I'm worried about for the Rams, and and you know this is being very unbiased, is they have a lot of pressure on them in this situation in this game. And I think it's going to say a lot about them. Um, I think if they come out and they take care of business, I think they will win the Super Bowl because I think th- this is this game. If they win, will give them the confidence they need to beat whoever comes out of the AFC. The problem is if they lose my God, what's going to happen with the Rams and McVeigh, If he's going to throw fit at, at Jared Goff over years of the Niners, you know, causing chaos, what's he going to do if they lose this game? So, I'm going to put San Francisco, like I said, I could see San Francisco losing a close game. I think either way, uh, I think it's going to be a great game. Uh, they always play each other well, so it's going to be great. Alex, that pretty much wraps everything up. Is there any one thing you're looking for most for this weekend in terms of these games or anything in sports?
1: Um, one of the things I kind of uh, been looking at and kind of been reminiscing over, um, one of the big stories came out is Dick Vantel, um College football, uh, he's going to be st- He's gonna be have a surgery on his throat. And it kind of been a little of nostalgia where Dick Dickie V is one of those guys you kinda of been listening to all your life. Then you kinda of add that with John man passing over all the holiday season. You kind of get that that feeling of, you know what, you know, times are changing. You're not we're not seeing the same type of sports that we saw you when you were younger. You can remember you can't watch college basketball, Dick V's gonna be on there with his voice. This is boys. voice. His his when you watch these big championship games this weekend, you Good job, man, and and Pat Summerall, those kind of those guys, and kind of hearing that some of these guys are starting to get a little older, starting to retire and getting away. Uh, I heard Al Michaels was thinking about retiring. It kind of kind of pushing the feeling of you know times are changing, things are getting different, man. It's kind of puts you a little bit of a sad face. You need to we need to enjoy these guys while they're here. That's how I feel. What do you think about that?
0: No, I hundred just, just kind percent of agree. I think uh, if you're in our age group you're used to these things that have been around forever um, as constants. You know, it's, you know, Jerry Jones being the face of the Cowboys, Mike shashevsky being the face of of Duke, and he's essentially, you know, he's essentially done. Like, there's these things right now that are coming to an end, which is sad to see, but at the same time, it gives people opportunity to come forward. You know, like Sean McVay, he's, I think, 37 years old. He's had several successful you know, years already. He seems kind of like a, you know, a, a young, great, upcoming coach. So, it's sad at these times to see these guys passing on. But at the same time, we got to start looking and embracing the the new generation coming up. You know, the Patrick Mahomes rivalry with maybe Joe Burrows or Josh Allen or something like that. So, you know, I was just thinking when we we're talking about Tom Brady, like, damn, Alex, we need to buy some tickets. at this, you know, if if he comes back next year, we we probably need to consider buying tickets to see him play because. We, you know it's going to come to an end. LeBron James, shit, crap! I, I should probably buy tickets go see him play, so I can see him play one more time. These are things you know that you know life life is so short. We gotta you gotta go out and watch and embrace as much as you can. So yeah, it sucks, Alex. I agree with you. Um, and hopefully he comes back healthy and comes back in some capacity to do something uh, in college basketball, especially you know March Madness coming up. Um, but yeah, so you know, well said. Let's uh, let's wrap up there. Guys, so, uh, thanks for listening. We appreciate the support. Uh, next week we'll be hitting on some, uh, a little bit of football, but start getting to other sports, maybe some hockey, some basketball, um, uh, you know, other kind of major items. And then, you know, eventually we are going to start working NFC off, or NFL offseason. Uh, got a lot of coaching conversation that already start getting into and it's going to, it's going to be crazy. So, um, you know we appreciate you guys listening. Uh, keep keep interacting with us on the page, on Facebook, and those other pages. We appreciate all the support, and we'll catch you guys next weekend. So thanks for joining us, guys.